This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. You know, we want to win most of the games, even if you're playing on the road or if you're playing home. We did that, we did that last couple of games, so I feel like uh, we are getting better each game, getting those, getting those wins and... Uh, yeah, we had three days off, so we just we just had to focus for tonight, you know, get ready our minds and, and the bodies for this game and, and play the best game how we can. I think the fact that we've played each other in the playoffs probably adds to it a bit more. I think our geographics clearly isn't is a big part of you know why we have this rivalry. But bottom line is we're both good teams. And I think that's what you know, when the cream rises to the top, what we've done here in the last three years, both our teams, I think that adds to it. And like I said, it's we haven't played these guys in quite some time, you know, not counting the preseason. And um, But they're always fun games, and I think a big part of it's because both teams have had success in the last few years. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. You know, it's one thing to sit there and say because of location there is a rivalry, but you have to be competitive. You have to be good. You have to face each other in the playoffs from time to time. That's what's happened here between these two teams, Lightning and Panthers, and they'll be at it again tonight. It is, a, uh, I think, a really good game coming out of the break. By the way, I hope everybody had a great Christmas, spent some time with the fam, opened up some presents, hung out with loved ones, and took in a lot of Christmas movies because they <laughs> were there, and we Did you watch a movie those. or movies? We did. You know, it's one of those things, partner, where the TV was just always on in the background. Mm. So you had, you know, whether it was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Arthur's Christmas. Can I give you a very unpopular take? Oh, man. You don't like Christmas. No, that, that would be an extremely unpopular take. <laughs> it is <laughs> unpopular. It's not that unpopular. Yeah. No, I like Christmas. And we watched a yeah. couple of movies. I'll tell you the movies that, that we watched. <sighs> I like the original vacation where they took the trip to the amusement park. Not so much the subsequent ones, but that's okay, right? I that's mean, okay. everybody yeah. everybody has that's their fine. own opinion about stuff. And yeah. that I was surprised because they asked favorite Christmas movies at one of the recent home games. Did you notice that, Greg? And And Christmas Vacation won. It was the top pick. And one of the movies that we watch, that we watch as a family, I don't even know how many years it's been now, seven, eight, nine years, a tradition on Christmas Eve, finished fourth, and that was Elf, which Elf I rank as, as a very, yeah. uh, that would be a very high pick for me. But yeah. these things are subjective as evidenced by that, that poll that they ran at a recent home game. Lightning fans prefer... Christmas Vacation over Elf, according to what? that one vote. White Christmas beats them both. <laughs> and that's the yeah. tradition my wife well, and I usually have. Well, Home Alone was in there, too. I forget the fourth one. Christmas Story? Maybe that was it. With Ralphie? Yeah, yeah I think those are the middle two. And Home Alone yeah. was the other movie we watched. Home Alone's good. I mean, you can't go yeah. wrong with that. I actually, Home that. Alone 2 is fun as well, because you've got the whole New York. Or is that mm -hmm. is that one? No, no Home Alone two. 1 is when they go to Florida. And well, right. Back, right? In, in one, he actually is Home Alone. Oh, no, that's Paris. The first one, they go to Paris, right? Yes. And then they come back. Yes. But Kevin is left at home. Yeah. And then, you know, the funny thing about Home Alone is there's like Home Alone 3, 4, and yes. 5. And <laughs> at that point, Department of... Just stop. The, just yeah. Stop. The family Services? Just is that the department? 
<laughs> I think they would have intervened. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but I, I hope you had a great Christmas as well, yes. uh, along with Steve and, and everybody here. We're back at it. And uh, if you have some questions and you want to get right into some lightning talk, you can at Bolts Radio. But, partner, and we're going to have Doug Plagans on later on in the broadcast here in yeah. about 20 well, minutes. Ask him his good. favorite Christmas movies. He told me his parents were in. So I'm not sure oh, okay. if he has a nice. tradition watching movies with his parents. but Okay. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I forget where he's from originally, but it's somewhere where it's cold and there's probably snow and okay. bad weather over Christmas. So I'm not okay. surprised that his family, his parents would want to come down and spend some time Christmas with in him. South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't blame them for that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because... Similar to that first game back from a, a road trip, you don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect, you know, after a little bit of a break with the holidays. I mean, you can say there's some distractions, you know, you, you can, and that can be good and bad, too, by the way. I don't want to say it's all negative, but I, I don't know how either team is going to respond tonight, partner. But I will say this. I do think it helps potentially playing a team that you would consider your rival yes i think that can get you into the fight quickly how how you respond to the punches being thrown so to speak that remains to be seen but my sense is neither team should have problems at least mentally getting ready for the game and what's ahead tonight and i don't think it's too early to say that <clears throat> there are standings implications here so prior to this three-game winning streak the Lightning were in a situation, we said it on the air, where we felt they needed to have a run. And I wouldn't call a three-game winning streak a run, but it's the start of potentially a run. And what this winning streak has done for the Lightning, first of all, it's allowed them to, to bank some points, and therefore they've improved their points percentage to the point now where teams still have games in hand on them, but they're, they're much closer in terms of their points percentage to a lot of the teams around them than they were prior to the three-game winning streak. And if we're looking at a 10-game segment, the Lightning are halfway through this current 10-game segment. They're 4-1. and one. So they have a chance to make this a really good 10-game segment. They need to keep banking points, keep munching points. This is not an easy three-game homestand and that they have the Panthers, a playoff team, coming in. We can get into why they have done so well this year. The Rangers, who have one of the best records and and point totals in the entire NHL, and then concluding a back-to-back -back at home against Montreal. Canadians are also be finishing a back-to-back because -back they play the Panthers the night before, and then the 10-game segment ends on the road, the start of the road trip in January at Winnipeg at Minnesota to, to finish this 10-game segment. But the Lightning have put themselves in a position to kind of make up some of the ground, if you want to look at it this way, that they lost in earlier segments when they left some points on the table and they just didn't play well enough, frankly. But where I'm going with the standings implications, the Lightning coming into this game, they are only one point behind the Panthers in terms of point total. And you might say, well, the Panthers have played fewer games. They have, but only two fewer games. So I see an opportunity here for the Lightning. Like a win in regulation over the Panthers is 
is potentially really impactful, and a loss in regulation against the Panthers is also impactful, just because we're talking about a team ahead of you in the standings within your division. And the Panthers have had a good year, but I'm not sure that they've had they've had a strange year. I almost feel like their record should be better than it is in some ways because they're fourth in team defense. Well, that's it. They're defending. They're they? defending. Because Kachuk has five goals. Well, but but Kachuk also has 19 assists. He has a bunch of assists. Yeah, he has a sure. bunch of assists. So they are not scoring as much. And I think some of this, Doug will, will tell us more about it because I was asking him earlier today that Paul Maurice wanted them from the days of Andrew Burnett when they were just outscoring all of their problems during the regular season. And they led the league in offense this is the year they won the President's Trophy. But they were kind of a mezza-mezza defensive team, and the Lightning deed them up in the second round of that playoff year and eliminated them. So we move ahead to the next year. Paul Maurice comes in, and I think his goal was to try and get them to defend better. But it was a, it was a rough learning curve. They were not in, in a good standings position at the halfway point of last year or even into the final third of the regular season but then they got hot and everything kind of clicked in and they made the playoffs and they rode that wave all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They were very injured in the Stanley Cup final, which comes with the territory, right? The Lightning experienced that in 2022 as well when they had guys who were banged up. So they come back this year and it almost seems that the lessons that they learned about how they needed to defend better have taken hold, but they are scoring way less. But I'm looking at their goal totals. Like, Reinhardt's having a great year. He's got 19 goals. He's on pace to shatter his previous highs for goals and points. Verhage's got 16 goals. Barkov is right there. He's got 32 points in 30 games. So, like, he's a point-per-game guy. And Evan Rodriguez, who's a guy who's bounced around a lot, but has always seemed to be a fairly consistently productive player. He's got 21 points in 33 games. So they are scoring. They're not at the level of like where we were talking about Washington, which Washington can't score at all. But it does seem like they're winning in many of the same ways that Washington is winning by defending. But I guess I'm a little surprised that they have not scored more than they have and because they've defended so well, I guess I'm a little surprised that they only have 40 points so far this year. They played a lot of road games, like the Lightning, and they had a rough stretch through Western Canada, like the Lightning. Well, which look, if, if you're, this is a team who has Stanley Cup aspirations, and we've always talked about winning championships comes with defense, yeah. not offense. So they're defending. Maybe, there's no question. Maybe, maybe there's a switch there. Maybe a, a light switch w- was turned on, and the team said, "Listen, we know we can score. It's kind of like the Lightning, but if we're going to win, mm-hmm. we're going to have to start defending." It just happens. Maybe they're doing it earlier than you know some would envision. I think when you always look at the Florida Panthers, you think of a team that has uh, some good goal scoring, maybe uh, really good goaltending when it comes to the regular season, and then let's see what happens in the playoffs, and and maybe they're starting to turn that page uh, as well. Lindell, uh, three goals. That that surprised me. Yeah. uh, Because I do think you're going to need to score. Again, I'm not going to... I see two goals. I don't know what you're looking at. Maybe it's two. Maybe I Yeah. You know, I, Unless I he got one and they count. didn't include it in the stat sheet. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's poor because he's somebody that we yeah, looked at and said third he's really line good. Center. Yeah. He, he has high upside. He's a first-round pick. He can score. And and that's I think that stood out. It, it just stood out. Yes, Kachuk is putting up points. There's there's no question. But, I mean, 
you have several lightning players who you wouldn't consider big-time goal scorers who are outscoring him in the goal department. That just grabs your attention. Now, if they're winning games, he probably doesn't care. But Kachuk, Lindell, I mean, Verhege scoring, you're going to need those guys. Barkov is is at a, basically at a point per game, a lot of assists. I mean, you are going to need to score in the playoffs. I mean, it... it that the, there's a little bit of that catch 22. I mean, it's, it's good to see them defend. You mm-hmm. want to see that trend continue for them. Once the playoffs begin the goaltending situation. I mean, isn't that weird that, you know, partner for the longest time, maybe there were some questions about the goaltending and then it was Spencer Knight who remember we saw in the, in the one playoff come in. And that was when the, the Panthers, I think played three goaltenders. Yes. Was it three goaltenders against the lightning yeah, with Drieger. and And he played well in what was it? The one game, maybe two games he played. Um, against Tampa Bay, but because of you know maybe some off ice issues, never really has been able to catch that lightning in a bottle, and it's kind of been Bobrovsky's team, and and he has performed better. But it's it's interesting that whole dynamic and and where they are right now, and Bobrovsky certainly has a lot of experience in the playoffs, and I, I think he's as accomplished of a goaltender as you're going to see in today's NHL. So that dynamic is still interesting. I don't know if I trust their goaltending. It's good that they're defending, which I think will help whoever is in that once the playoffs begin. And are they sacrificing offense for defense? And will that offense eventually come? History typically tells you, you know, look, if you're a 25-goal scorer, that usually evens out yeah. throughout the year. And I, my sense is that will happen. But it, it it is just an observation looking at this Panthers team because I think at first glance you're like, oh, wow, that I don't I don't envision the Panthers being a really good defensive team and and, and they kind of are right now. I have a feeling that if they can defend well and look, it's not like they're in jeopardy right now of missing the playoffs. They're in a, a good sp- standing spot. I'm just looking at their metrics and I guess I'm a little surprised that they aren't higher essentially. <laughs> but they are where they are and, and they're not in a bad spot. They're certainly in in line to on this trajectory to make the playoffs. And assuming they get into the playoffs, how they are defending will serve them well. And then you look at, you don't need to score five, six goals a game to win in the playoffs. You do need to have guys who can produce, though, in the playoffs offensively. And I think that's what you're getting at. But they have players on their roster who have impressive resumes in the playoffs. And, I mean, I think we can look at last year as an example of a year in which they went deep, really deep. They won three rounds. But even the year before, you know, they knocked off Washington in the first round, and Carter Verhage killed the Capitals. Yeah. He scored big goal after big goal. He scored in overtime. Look at last year. Verhage scores in overtime to eliminate the Bruins in Game 7. So they have guys, whether it's Verhage, Kachuk, Barkov, I feel they have big game players on their team. And when the stakes go up, they seem to thrive. So that would be how I would answer that from the Panthers' perspective. But the Lightning can't worry about that, right? They just want to try and get as many points as they can, and if they can do it at the expense of the Panthers, more power to them. And I will say this. I think think the way the Lightning played in their game at Washington on the 23rd can be used as a template for how they need to play tonight. Because the Panthers are, in fact, Ding up, and the stats tell us that they they are doing that, whether it's they're defending really well in front of Bobrovsky or Bobrovsky is is playing lights out. Whatever the reason, they're keeping the puck out. That means the Lightning have to match that standard, which I thought they did 
in the game against Washington. And Coop was asked about that this morning. And, and he said, you know, I thought we took some of the risk out of our game, which is true. I think Eric called it a quote-unquote boring game, which is not exactly something the NHL wants him saying. But Eric's point was that the Lightning didn't try and razzle-dazzle in that game. They, they simplified their approach. They made the smart, safe play more often than not. And when they had trouble in the second period, and they did, like clockwork it seems, in the second period they don't have a lot of possession – they hung in there defensively, and they limited scoring chances. I think they're going to need a similar type of performance, a similar type of mentality tonight. I would agree with that. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can uh, break it all down. Any update on Mikhail Sergachev? Yeah, he's out. He's skating. Okay. He's go. skating. He skated in the morning skate, but he's out. So I, I believe, based on who was out there late, Barry Boulay is also going to be a scratch, and Austin Watson will come in. For Watson, it'll be his 599th game play. That's a lot of games that for somebody who games. has been, who has, would you say, predominantly been, I don't want to say an enforcer, but go ahead, call him an enforcer. Well, his first three years, he was basically in the minors, too. I know. It took him a while to get to the NHL. That's so a good credit for him. to him. Yeah, no, that's, look, you get to that number, there are some accomplished players who haven't hit 600. So that's 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 pretty impressive. And you know what? He's actually I'll say this for him. He's actually been as advertised. You know, some guys aren't. You look at them especially brought in you're not sure what you're seeing and and things play out a certain way, but Austin Watson, I think you're getting exactly what you anticipate. Mhm. And that's 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 nice to see. I, I, he's everything I envisioned, and in many ways I I appreciate that uh, about him, and uh, you know, good for him, good for him. Talking about milestone games, and Watson's at five ninety eight to be five ninety nine tonight. I saw this stat in the notes, and I did a double take. Paul Maurice is going to be coaching as a head coach in the NHL, not just any coach, as a head coach in the NHL. This is his. 1800th game tonight. Wow. So then I had to look it up, and I think we know who's number one, right? Scotty, obviously. <laughs> Scotty Bowman is number one. So I looked up the list. You know where Maurice is on the list? Most games as a head coach in the NHL? He's third. And he's, really? he's close to overtaking the guy in second, who is our, our good friend, Barry Trotz. So I'm not sure if Barry Trotz is done as a head coach. He's now GM in Nashville. Barry Trotz had a lot of years in Nashville as a head coach. He's at 18-12. So after tonight, Maurice will be 12 games coached behind Trotz. Scotty is at 21-41. That is a little bit of a misleading number in that Bowman seasons up until – the end, basically, of his coaching career, he had fewer games. So he was coaching when the NHL was playing, what, like 70 games, right? So just think about it. I think these are regular season games, I'm guessing. I don't see it broken down here. Um, so I don't know if that includes playoff games or not. But his game total per season was less than all these other guys. So just to hmm. put things in, in context – 
Maurice is at, we'll call it 1,800 games. 1,800. You know where John Cooper is at, including tonight's game? Tell me. 833. So Coop yeah. is almost 1,000 games behind Paul Maurice. That is crazy to think about. That is about. crazy. And he's done it. I'm going to count this as one team. He's done it with only four teams. Hartford, Carolina. He was there when the franchise moved. Toronto, he wasn't there very long. And then Winnipeg, he was there a long time. And Florida now in his second year. Good for him. He's a really good guy. I've I've always enjoyed I haven't had a lot of one on one conversations with him, but whenever I've been there when when he's doing a press conference, like he's he's up front, he's frank, he'll answer any question that that is posed to him. So congratulations to Paul Maurice. For sure. Game eighteen hundred as an what's NHL in, head coach. What's incredible even more is when you're talking about those numbers is that John Cooper's done it with one team. I know we've we've yeah. hit that, but it's so unusual today, partner, in sports in general. I, I actually think more conversation needs to be just needs to happen when it comes to John Cooper and where he is. And I want to compare that to all sports across the board. Throw in soccer, throw in whichever major sport you follow. Give me a head coach who has gone longer than John Cooper, and, and I'm sure there have, obviously. But I, I'm talking about, you know, give me a top five, give me a top ten. Yeah. And I, you know, they, you like to, you see a lot of listicles at the end of the year that a lot of publications will do. You know, best moments, maybe top memorable plays. I, I think you could, I think you could do something like that with John Cooper. Most tenured coaches at, at one spot you know, for like an end of the year piece. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hockey and hockey doesn't have the same maybe street cred as, as some of the other sports, but I, I actually think it's one of the more impressive feats in today's sports. Yeah. Is being at one place, one organization for as long as he has. You know, the other thing too is, and this is off a a little bit of a side note here, but I'm curious what our audience thinks and what you think about this. So many times in sports, when there is a coaching change, there is that immediate reaction to go to the accomplished coach, maybe uh, the recycled coaches who every four or five years, they pop up somewhere. It's really hard for a new coach, kind of that, that new blood to crack any type of, of big league experience. And you know, Paul Maurice has a really good record, and in, in many ways, you know what you know, and, and sometimes that's your security blanket. But not that it does bother me or you, but I'm curious, do you think it's the wrong play? And maybe that's not the way to ask it, but do you feel like more organizations should be looking at newer blood as opposed to well, we know this guy's coached 15 years in the league before. We're going to do the the safe hire and bring them in. But look at the guys who have taken over already this year. I'll even go back to, to last offseason. How about Spencer Carberry in Washington? Yeah. Look at Chris Knobloch in Edmonton or Drew Bannister in St. Louis. Who took over They've in Minnesota again? Yeah, I'm forgetting who took over in Minnesota. That might have been an assistant coach promoted. But I mean, I think we are seeing the teams are are 
not going to the veteran experienced head coach who happens to be out of work. <laughs> Was it John Hines? That's right. You're right about is that. that. Is that so, I mean, he would be an example of a guy with NHL experience. But I think the other guys I mentioned came in with, with no experience. Yeah. In the well, NHL. You know, because we always, we always talked about, like, Ben Gruel, right? Yeah. As somebody who kept waiting, kept waiting. And, and he wasn't going to get it here in Tampa Bay. But it was just hard. It, it's a tough cookie to or tough nut to crack, so to speak. I mean, it, it really is. And I'm I'm not it's more of just an open conversation about, you know, what do you prefer? Do you want the 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 guy who, who has a lot of experience or do you want, you know, potentially a newer voice? And because that's I, I feel like that's part of the issue a little bit in the NFL. Yeah. I, I, you just see a lot of retreads come back. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think experience does trump a lot of things, to be honest. But I also think too, those guys had to start somewhere as well. And, you know, that newer blood can be good. Well, Doug is here, and he has had the benefit, hey, I would say, of having had – I'm seeing number four in the list is Joel Quenville, who is also in Florida. So we are clearly talking, Doug, about Maurice's accomplishment, game 1,800 as a head coach in the NHL, which is incredible to think about. But what has it been like covering a team with two of the guys on the list here in the top four? The last, not the yeah. last two head coaches, but with Andrew Burnett in there, two two guys who are are at a point in the record books that not too many guys are going to catch them. They've seen it all across different eras, which is always cool to hear the you know the stories, the way things have evolved, everything like that. I can tell you just from the from the time that Paul Maurice got here. Um, first of all everybody knows and everybody's been around the sport knows that he's he's just outstanding to talk to and he communicates the game so well and that skill isn't just in communicating the game well to media to fans he communicates the game and the expectations and everything so well to players and you can tell that the players just have a ton of respect for him and really enjoy playing for him and Bill Zito, Panthers GM, said from the get-go that uh, he was just the perfect fit for the for the Panthers from the first time that he that he spoke with them. And um, again, it, just the way that uh, the way that he his system everything took hold last year, and the the team started seeing the positive results as the season went along, and then obviously making the run that they did. Um, it was it was just really really great, really cool to see um, you know everything that uh, that. Paul Maurice was was bringing to the table really take hold and and to see the way the team responded everything like that and now coming into year two you could just tell that this uh, everybody came in knowing the expectations knowing uh, what was you know what was expected of them knowing the the systems everything like that the familiarity no doubt played a, a role coming into Paul Maurice's second year so um, it's been it's been great to work with them great to just chat hockey with them and to be able to talk to them every single day i get i get the privilege of being able to have a one-on-one with them with every single day i get uh, you know the the pre-game show one-on-one with paul maurice every day and uh, not a day goes by where he you know he doesn't say something that makes me watch some aspect of the game a little bit differently the next time and that just goes right along with like one of my original points saying that he just he just communicates the game so well so um you know it's been it's been great to work with him and, and great to be back on here with you guys by the yes. way thanks <laughs> thanks for having me we dove right into the well we, we had right to make the you, nuts and bolts we yeah. had to make you work and and work off 
the trip to fan if you had it and and three days with your parents which <laughs> i was mentioning that so before greg greg asked we were talking about how we spent the holidays and, and watching Christmas movies. Do you like, you have any traditions with your parents in town? That you yeah, they, they came in. They, uh, they like to, uh, they like to just come in and we just hang out, relax as much as we can. Um, you know, eat some food, just kick back this year. It fell in line with being able to watch a lot of football as well during the, yes, that's during true. the couple of days. So it doesn't, we don't always get uh, Christmas right uh, on an NFL Sunday or, or you know, right uh, around, uh, it would have been a Monday in this case, but you know, a, a full, Christmas Eve slate, if you will. You don't usually have have it all fall into place just like that, but th- this year we did, so there was plenty of football to watch. Um, that's the big thing is just catching our breath when we can. Obviously, it's a it's a grind. I just talked to Paul Maurice about that, uh, you know, just about 10, 15 minutes ago, but, you know, that, that part of the schedule from the time the season starts, really from training camp up to Christmas, is probably the longest point in the season where there's not really a break of any kind. Uh, obviously, after this, you, know, you have the Christmas break, and then you have the All-Star break, and you might have like your bye week time yes. in there, things like that. But from the start of camp to Christmas is kind of one big push. So, I, And that, that goes for all of us. I think we all enjoy the, the two, three days to just catch our breath there for a minute. Doug, at first glance, I mean, can you just – Give us an update on the Panthers. I mean, from afar, from up close, it looks like it's about defense, 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 and maybe sacrificing a little bit of offense. Is that maybe the thirty thousand foot view? Let us let us know how they're how they're doing this. Well, yeah. Well, coming into the season, and obviously the first thing that stands out is I had to I had to remind myself that these two teams haven't played yet this season. That just feels very strange that uh, the Panthers and the Lightning haven't met yet and uh, Christmas has come and gone. But uh, the Panthers this season, I know coming in, uh, there were obviously questions just, be, you know, from afar. We all knew that these guys were going to be ready to go. But at the same time, no Aaron Eckblad to start the year, no Brandon Montour to start the year. Those two returned on November 17th in Anaheim. So they missed a, a pretty big chunk of the start of the year. Um, there were obviously injuries that uh, were, you know, that took place during the, the the run last year and the Panthers had a short off season, not a ton of chance to catch your breath there. Sam Bennett missed a big chunk of the early part of the season. I don't think you could say that this team had its full optimal lineup in all together until I think it was something like November 19th. So to be able to have the start that they did, that really showed something about this team to be able to come in and, and do what they did out of the gate. And uh, a lot of credit goes to guys like like a guy who's been here and Gus Forsling, who had to handle a, a pretty heavy responsibility and workload early on with no Ekblad, no Montour, and also a newcomer. You can't talk about what the Panthers have done early in the campaign uh, without mentioning Oliver Ekman Larson, who came in here uh, as a free agent signing and did a, a fantastic job uh, chewing up a lot of minutes early on, especially, like I said, with no Ekblad, no Montour, taking care of uh, a lot of power play responsibilities early on. Um, he meant a lot to this team out of the gate. But looking at uh, the way that they're the way they're rolling along this year, you hit on it. They're they're get they're doing a great job defending as a team. That's been a key point of emphasis every single night. The goaltending has been really solid from the get go, whether it's been Bobrovsky or Stolarz, and. Uh, offensively they still generate chances and shot volume with the with the best of them so it's really a, a really a rounded out team and I think you're seeing that part of it with the way this team's been defending uh you know through the first uh, third of the season they've been defending really well and the the numbers back that up 
Yeah, I have to be honest, Doug. I was looking at some of the overall numbers for Florida, and and the Panthers' record is good. I mean, there's nothing to quibble with a 19-12-2 record. I mean, seven games over hockey 500 Mm. is is a good spot. But when you're a top-five defensive team, I know the offensive numbers, I think 20th, but great years from Reinhardt and Verhage and and Barkov's at a point per game. So, I mean, clearly you're getting offense. I, I have to confess, I'm a little surprised the record isn't better than what it is. Uh, what do you make of that? Like, am I off base here? Do you think that maybe they've left some points on the table? I think there have only been a couple. Of, there, there, have, there have been a, a handful of games where opening night being a prime example, opening night in Minnesota, first game of the season, I think the Panthers had 41 shots on net. They were all over the wild from the get-go, and Philip Gustafson probably played his best game he's played all season on opening night, and that was one where – the Panthers deserved better than what they got. Came away with with nothing in that game. They've had they've had a, a couple of those kind of games where a goalie has just stolen it. But uh, but overall, I think night to night, it's been a really consistent team. And uh, and I think that's why they're they're at a spot right now, seven games over hockey five hundred, position themselves in a spot where they can just if they can keep playing at the rate they're playing they're going to be just fine I think uh, and I think everybody knows that but it's you know overall I think uh, I don't think there's been you know situations where they'd say they left left points on the table anything like that I think if anything there have just been a couple of those games where you know game one in Minnesota being a prime example where they probably deserved better that night than uh, than what they ended up getting which I believe was a two nothing loss but yeah. Uh, but yeah it was a, a 41 save shutout for Philip Gustafson and there were some some great A's mixed in there and I think there have been uh, you know night to night uh, there have been a lot of games where the Panthers and analytic numbers can take them for what you what you'd like but there have been a lot of nights where the Panthers expected goal totals have been more than what they've what they've gotten so it's the, one of those things that you think over the course of a season balances out in their favor over over 82 eventually you're going to uh, you know things are going to fall where they're supposed to so I think overall this team's just uh, this team's put itself in a in a really good spot in the Atlantic standings and and no reason to think they can't build on it from here. Doug Plagans joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Are you still shocked at how impactful that trade was that the Panthers and Flames made uh, not too long ago when you talk about really the big guns leaving Huberto and and Kachuk and, and how that really has swung in the favor of the Panthers? I mean, I thought right away it was a great trade for the for the Panthers to make just because there are not there's just very few players like Matthew Kachuk in the National Hockey League for one and he's the type of guy that can change uh, you know that can just alter the DNA of uh, of a team the second that uh, he walks through the door he's he's so well respected well liked great guy off the ice uh, and uh, and he you know he checks all those boxes but on the ice he truly does impact every shift that he's on the ice and it doesn't have to be through you know getting on the score sheet he can do plenty of things that don't show up on the score sheet that impact a game and he generates chances he draws a lot of attention in the old uh, the old phrase now that uh, he, he drags the drags everybody into the fight he's a leader in a number of different ways he and Alexander Barkov complement each other really well as far as the you know the uh, as some of the leaders of the of this team um, I, I would say I'm, I'm not shocked in the uh, in the impact that it's had because there just aren't many guys like Matthew and uh, and like I said the way that he's able to impact the game 
game every time out. Doesn't have to be through through picking up uh, a point here and there. It, uh, it's in a number of different ways, throwing a hit, things like that. He can swing a game every time he's on the ice. And we've seen that from the second that uh, he stepped on the ice in his Panthers debut. He's just been a, a really a really welcome addition to this to this Panthers team. And I know he loves playing in South Florida. He said it time and time again. And uh, and the Panthers are really happy to have him. So I'm looking at his numbers, Doug, and he's coming off two seasons, one in Calgary and then last year mm. with the Panthers where he had over 100 points. Great plus minus, plus 57 with yep. that great line in Calgary with Johnny Gaudreau and Lindholm two years ago, and then plus 29 last year in a team that was out of the playoffs at the All-Star break. So, I mean, he was kind of the one shining light throughout the year. I hear what you're saying about, like, he does a lot to help the team win. How is he handled – his numbers this year, which, I mean, players are human. He's looking at his numbers. Back of the napkin math here, I'd say he's on pace for about 60 points, which would be a huge drop-off, and he's on the minus side of the ledger. Has that affected kind of how he goes about his business at all? Have you I, noticed? Don't, I don't think it's affected him negatively at all or it's affected his play. He's He just he brings it the same way every single night. His game never changes, and for him, like I said, it's from the beginning of the season – He's either been first or second on the Panthers in shots on goal from game one, basically. So the chances have been there. And as you know, just the way Matthew Kachuk plays, it's not as if he racks up perimeter shots. His shots and his attempts are coming from, you know, inside the slot area in inside the uh, inside the dots, you know, in close. So he's been getting a ton of chances. He's creating a lot for uh, for his teammates and again, not to, you know, everybody can take analytic numbers for whatever, however they'd like to, but I think his expected goals this season, for what it's worth, he according to those, he should have eight or nine more than he than he does, just based on the on the quality of chances that he gets consistently. So I think he's going to have one of those, uh, you know, he's going to have one of those two week stretches at some point where everything goes in and and things uh, you know swing back in his favor. But I can tell you this, he's he's happy with the results the team's getting. Uh, when he was, you know, he's been he was asked about that recently, and he's. He's happy with the results the team's getting. He likes the way that the team's overall game's going. And, and he's one of those guys, he'll tell you first, if the team's, team's got a good record, team's winning games, that's the most important thing. And, um, you know, for him, it's his game's been there. And, uh, and there's been no wavering in his individual game whatsoever. So I don't think, he's, uh, I don't think it's bothered him one bit that the, the goal total might be a little lower than it was at, at this pace uh, or at his pace from last year. But I think, uh, I think eventually those superstars, their numbers start to even out over the course of the year, closer to what, uh, what you'd expect. But for him, his game's never changed. It's all been there. He's still impacts at every single shift. And, you know, if he, if he weren't making an impact, uh, then maybe you'd be concerned. But that's just not the kind of guy he is. He's going to find a way to make an impact every single time out there. And, and like I said, you can't, you can't hit it home enough. His game's never wavered one bit. Greg, I just have a quick follow-up yeah, on Kachuk because this – I've never been involved mm. in a situation where two brothers who are playing on opposite teams play the way that the Kachuk brothers play. Like we had the Flurry brothers play against each other in a game last year, Lightning in Seattle – and I've watched games where the Stahl brothers played against each other. You had the two brothers together on, on the Panthers last year. But, like, the gloves are off, figuratively speaking. When these guys hit the ice, it doesn't matter who's on the other team. What has that dynamic been like for them individually? Like, what have you taken out of these Florida-Ottawa 
matches, some of which have been they've been fiery. Yeah, yep. very fiery. Yeah, they've, they've do the had, brothers get involved with each other? They've had the they've had their moments where things get fiery. They've they've never gotten into a direct uh, a direct altercation with <laughs> with one another. That is a line that has not yet been crossed. Yeah, right? and, and and the thing is, I think even if you ask them, I think it's there's the element of it. Yeah, it's it's special. They're brothers who both play in the National Hockey League, and they both realize, and you know, through through having been around the game as long as they both have, with their with their dad playing uh, and having a great career too, they both understand uh, the the factor, the element of it that it is special to be able to not only play in this league but to play against your brother in this league. At the same time, especially going back to the to the uh, the year that everybody only played within their divisions and the Flames and the Senators they That's played true. each other so yeah. much that year i think i think that element of it you know they're they're used to it by now it's not uh, you know it's not this rare novelty thing when they play against each other because they played against each other a lot by this point in time so the games are always entertaining and i'll tell you that, that's the other part of this those two these two players Matthew and Brady Every time they get on the ice, you can't help but watch these guys because I look at those two, everything they do on the ice, it could just be lining up for a faceoff. But it's when they do it, it's more exciting than when a lot of other people do it. So, you know, there are guys, there are guys across all the other sports like that where, you know, I would say uh, if I'm watching a baseball game, when, when Bryce Harper does anything, it's just more exciting than when most other guys do something. And I think if you're watching a hockey game, when Matthew and Brady do something, when they're out for their shift, it's going to have a higher entertainment value. It's going to be more interesting, and it's going to be more captivating than it is when a lot of other guys are out there. They're just special talent, special players to watch. And I think they do realize that uh, and you, you can tell how much respect that they have for each other. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, and, and the games are always entertaining, but by this point, I think they're both just so used to playing against each other. Of course, the biggest question I think sometimes comes down to Doug, what about in nets? Bob's done it for a long, long time, gets the finals. What is your belief in him? The team's belief in him? Because, you know, he's had a, as good a career as you can possibly imagine. There have been some hiccups along the way. But, I mean, you can make a case, Hall of Famer for sure. And then the question always comes down to, uh, is he going to be that guy that you can win a cup with? I think he's won some playoff games where at least that uh, settles some people down once you get onto that big stage. But what do you make of Bobrovsky and, and where he is in net and, and where the Panthers are there? Well, I think, uh, first of all, as a, as a position – organizationally it's a position of strength um, and I think we've seen it time and time again the Panthers in Vegas both last year were examples of why you need to be able to not only go you know two goalies deep but in some cases three four goalies deep but if you want to survive the 82 game run and then go into the uh, in the playoffs and have a deep run Tampa Bay showed the same thing this year the value of having multiple goaltenders that you can call upon to get you wins when you need them so organizationally it's a position of strength for the Panthers as far as Sergei Bobrovsky goes the the team loves him the players love him they love playing in front of him and he absolutely is the kind of goalie that you can win with and now it's kind of become the thing uh, I know this 
not to not to open up old wounds, but it kind of became the thing. If you if you win 60 games in an NHL season, the last thing you want to do is run into Sergei Bobrovsky at this point. Uh, so uh, he's he's caused some some nightmares for some some teams over the years, and we won't dig any further into it than that. Well, but the last year against the Boston Bruins, uh, what he did uh, what he did against them in in round one. Um, you can point to a lot of moments and a lot of big goals, but some of the big saves, uh, you know, were just uh, Marshan the end of yeah, game five that, yeah. saves that just stand out. And I will say this: I think if you talk to a lot of the Lightning players that were on the 2020 Cup team, they felt that losing the way they did to Columbus was a big part of them coming back and winning. The it always Cup it the felt that way to me, yeah. just based on how much the Panthers and Lightning play each other through the preseason, through the regular season, and when I would get to go in and hear the Lightning players talk. And you kind of – I remember coming in that season, we might have been here for the opener that year or a game very early on, and I remember Steven Stamkos just doing his typical speak to the media on a, on a game day, and it just felt like – Having heard those media scrums in the years leading up, hearing that one, it just felt like there was a different a different tone going into that season for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the year that they ultimately ended up winning it with obviously a sizable gap in the middle of, uh, of, yeah. the, of the schedule and an unconventional year, but they ended up winning. And, and I felt like going into that season, there was just a different feeling. And I would agree with you. It just felt like things uh, like there was a, it just went to a different level after they had to taste that defeat. And then they ultimately came back and won it the next year. Doug, just last question uh, from us. Just when you take a look at the Eastern conference, what's jumping out at you as, as this race continues to, to get uh, expedited a little bit here with uh, the top eight teams and those who are knocking on the doorstep for a wild card. Well, for one, we knew the Atlantic coming in was potentially going to be the most competitive division in the league, and it certainly is uh, is living up to that. So you look at the Atlantic division, and I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I feel like the, I feel like the four teams that are currently in playoff spots at this very moment in the Atlantic are all going to be there. Um, I'm not certain about Detroit, Montreal, uh, one of those teams making a run and getting into a spot. Buffalo, you can also throw them there. It would take a, it would take quite a second half for them to be able to propel into a playoff spot. I just think with the with the Eastern Conference as a whole, it's just so deep. Even the teams that even the teams that I would consider to be a year away from being a serious competitor for a playoff spot. There aren't freebies anymore. Uh, you know, there's no freebie in this conference anywhere, and uh, and I think that's just what makes it so dangerous night to night. You've really got to be on your A game. So I think from uh, from that perspective, I think the overall depth of the conference. I'm excited to see the New York Rangers. The Panthers have them for the first time coming up on Friday. Same so, with the Lightning. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen them at all this season. I know they've gotten off to uh, to a really nice record so far this season. Excited to see what they look like in person um you know you look at uh, at the at boston toronto those teams certainly look like you know teams that could do damage once again so it's a it's a really interesting conference there are gonna there are some teams that i think are going to be uh hoping for a big second half run haven't seen philadelphia yet this season either i'm interested to see what they look like in person carolina i think they I just can't envision uh, a world where the Carolina Hurricanes are not in a playoff spot when the season ends. It's been a weird year for them. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, Brindamore pushes them, and they play a high-tempo game. Do you think that 
It's not so much that the coach's message has gotten stale, but do you think that that is a hard way to play and maintain from year to year to year when you're talking about, all right, 82 more, (laughs) 82 more? I thought about this, if this makes any sense, because the way they play is it's a it's a process driven and i think you'd say that about a lot of teams but the way they play it's a it's a process driven and it has been for years generate chances it's kind of like a, a build during the game kind of and and it's a it is a hard way to play and like i said i i think i think rod's one of the best coaches in the league yeah, i, I agree. Any, absolutely anybody would tell you that uh but i think the other uh, i've wondered after multiple years of having to play that way in a very specific way and it's a like very a full court press in basketball yes. where you're playing that way all the and time and doing it every night and and to have these multiple runs that get you know sort of deep but then fall short is it hard to reset that the next year and start from zero is it just a, is it just challenging to to reboot that every year and say all right we're going to do it all over again and is there a, a level of difficulty that comes with that? And maybe it's just taken them a little bit to get out of the gate. And I know they've had some goaltending question marks, and certainly we hope uh, Freddie Anderson gets back to to full health. And I know that uh, that they had the, you know, Ranta was uh, he was they didn't they didn't get out of Ranta probably what they hoped they would get this year. And um, you know they're kind of waiting to see if Kochekov's going to be the guy to take the ball and, and run with it. I mean, kind of had to be. We saw them in the preseason, as did you, and we saw this Peretz who was. I saw him in the rookie I tournament. Mean, they, he looked great. I understand that, yeah. but they pulled him out of Quinnipiac and then pull him out. He finished at Quinnipiac, but I mean. I don't think that a year ago he was necessarily a guy that they would have thought, yeah, we're going to have this Peretz backing up Kachetkov yep. halfway through the season, which probably speaks to their situation, which goes to what you were just talking about with goaltending depth. And they've played a system also that I think has allowed some of these goalies to settle into a groove. You look at all the guys they've had over the last, and they've been good, but over yeah. the last four or five years, I mean, going all the way back to whether it was James Reimer, Peter Mrazek, I Nadelkovich. mean, Nadelkovich. They've yeah. had a lot of different guys go there, not only play there, but play there and do well. Um, so maybe they're just kind of waiting for somebody to, to grab the reins here. And I know they probably want Kochekov to, to be yeah. the guy to do it just based on his pedigree and what they put into, you know, invested in him and everything like that. But I saw Peretz in, in the rookie tournament down in Estero over the, you know, in uh, that would have been September. And... A lot of times when you see a goaltender, and I am by no means a goaltending expert of any kind, but you see a guy and the way he moves, and there's no wasted movement. He's very positionally sound, and that's what stands out. You'll see a guy like that, and you think, okay, I know these are. I know this is a rookie tournament, and he's making the saves here. But I think I think this could translate. He looked like he looked the part. Put it that way. He looked the part, and he came in with eye popping numbers out of college. Yes, and well, he played on a really good program. Oh, he played too. on a great team. Yep. But he he looked really good. So I think one way or another, one way or another, they're going to find find their uh, you know their ingredients in the between the pipes. And I, I like I said, I can't envision a I can't envision a world where the Carolina Hurricanes aren't occupying one of the playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Well, they're going to have to bump somebody out because right now they are ninth. And look, they're within striking distance of the Islanders and Flyers as well. But I think it has been a little surprising to see not just where they are in the standings, but how some of the results have. Mm-hmm. have come down where it's uncharacteristically like high scoring games five six yeah. goals yeah the lightning scored eight on them on 14 shots which was extremely strange it was the highest shooting percentage in a game in nhl history but it's not like they've had a lot of games like that it's mm-hmm. been other sorts of games where they're just giving up a lot of goals not on 14 shots but you know what i'm saying and and it didn't used to be that way 
for them. Yeah, they were tough to get shots against. Yes. Uh, and, you know, to a, to an extent still are. And like I said, I, I just think that's that's a team that's going to figure it out. And they're one of those teams, too. No matter where they finish, I think they're they're a dangerous draw for anybody who winds up with them on their uh, on their playoff schedule because I just feel like they're going to get in. Well, Doug, we appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much. We will Always see you Always happy soon. to come on and, uh, and chat with, with you guys and all the Lightning faithful tuned in out there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I said, thanks so much for, for having me on. Happy to jump on. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank Doug you. Megan's joining us right there. And always good to catch up with Doug about the Panthers and where they are. And I, I think some people, partner, because uh, the Lightning had such an early exit, you forget how far the Panthers went last year. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they were, they were pretty incredible. And I think this is what, I think this is what the NHL envisioned. Like this was the pinnacle having both Florida and Tampa Bay be at the top or close to it when it comes to, to teams in Florida. I know that Phil and chief have talked over the years and I'm going back years now when, when one of these teams, if not both struggled and what they always said was, you never know what you're going to get when the Lightning and Panthers play each other. Like, one team might be far ahead in the standings than the other, but didn't mean that that team was necessarily going to win. And, and I have seen that play out firsthand. But what they both said was, for the rivalry to really take off, both teams need to be good at the same time. And it finally happened in the last couple of years. And we have seen it take off. Meeting in the playoffs certainly helped accelerate that. For sure. And uh, it's a heck of a team, meaning the Panthers, but I think the Lightning, you want to talk about an opportunity partner to measure yourself, not that the Lightning need that all the time. But as I said before, going back to maybe the the beginning point of the show is that I think this is a good game for both teams, but I think especially for the Lightning to get back into the swing of things Yeah, with the Panthers being on the calendar. And it is weird. This is the the first time they've played this year. Well, they only play each other three times. So when Seattle came into the league, the the NHL needed to find two games for, let's just say the East, okay, to simplify matters. So every team in the East needed two games to allocate for the home game against Seattle and the road game against Seattle. And those games needed to come from the East because you only played one-on-one against the other teams in the West. What they decided to do was take one home game and one road game from within the same division. And I think that's the part that some people have questioned. Why did they do that rather than take one home game and one road game from within the conference but the other division? The other division, you play three games. You play two at home, one on the road, or one at home, two on the road. And there are eight teams in the other division, so four fall into one category and four fall into the other, and then you switch. So in other words, this year, for example, the Lightning play the Rangers twice at home, once at MSG. Last year, as we remember, they opened the season at MSG. They played twice at MSG, and the teams met once here. Well, why not take those those games that you needed to satisfy Seattle, to get Seattle onto each team's schedule, why didn't you take it from, like, Lightning-Columbus or lightning Washington rather than Lightning Panthers. And I mean, we've seen some strange things where I remember at the broadcasters meeting, not this year, but the year before, I think it was some of the folks from Philly who were asking, well, we only play the Penguins three times this year. 
Why is that? Why, why, why did you pull a game between Philly and Pittsburgh, which is a big rivalry, as you know, right. Greg, and, and I think Islanders-Rangers maybe had only three games, whether that was last year or this year. That, that seems a little strange that they would choose to do this, but that's what they did, which is why the Lightning, they play only three games against the Panthers this year, and it's the, the one – they have the one road game, essentially. So they lost a road game against Florida, and they lost, if you want to call it that, lost a home game against Detroit. So those are the teams the Lightning only play three times this year within the division. And forget about the playoff implications. I get it. Like in the wild card, you're you're competing against every team in the conference. But just in terms of the familiarity and the rivalries that have been built up, we're not talking about like the late 2000s when the Lightning were playing eight games against Washington. We're not talking Correct. about that. When it, I almost think it swung too much in the other direction. And you had so many divisional games that there was almost – like the fans were like, what? We have Atlanta again coming in? This is different. This is only four games within your division against a divisional opponent. That's not a lot. And to lose one of them is significant. So I understand you need to fill 82 and all of that. But I think most Lightning fans and most Panthers fans would say, yeah, we'd like to see the rivalry played out four times during the regular season and, and take off – Take off a game against the Islanders for us. Right, right. And let's see the Islanders twice total, one and one. Maybe they'll make that change in subsequent years. We'll see. Well, partner, good first show back. Yeah, good we'll first back show back. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to one. We'll uh, be taking questions from everybody in the audience at Bolts Radio. And then you and the Hall of Famer. Right, he's back in the yeah, saddle, he, breaking he it all healthy? down. Yeah, good. He's healthy, right? He's we exchanged text messages over Christmas, but good. I didn't. I didn't know if he was going to be well enough to come back. He's ready. So, yeah, he's ready. He's ready to rock and roll. He had a few all martinis, right. maybe with Chief, and cleared cleared out any problem areas that he had. For sure. Um, no, that'll be fun because we had some questions if if he was going to be back in the saddle. So that'll be good. And then you and I will be back at it again tomorrow. But Tonight, pregame's going to be at 6.30. Puck drops at 7. I will see you then. See you then. All right. Thanks, Duck Blagans. Thanks to Steve Versnick and uh, Austin Wright. We always appreciate you guys helping out. We'll be back at it in this setting tomorrow, noon to 1. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.